Welcome to SMQBs. This is episode six. Today, we're going to go right to the legend of Tiger Woods, look back on his historic career, talk about how he changed golf and the PGA, and then try to figure out if there's anybody on the tour who can live up to the uh, standard that he set. Uh, we'll move into the NBA then and talk a little NBA midseason awards, maybe make some predictions, talk NBA logo and if it should be changed. And of course, we wrap with punchable face of the week, a soccer player calling out LeBron. Let's see how that works out. Have some fun. Enjoy. SMQB's next episode, how many minutes into it before Rooster makes us slap the explicit label on this episode? Over <laughs> under at five. Hey I'll guys, what's, what's going on? How's everybody? Good to see all you. All right, all Good right, everybody. everybody. The Knicks are over 500, baby. Oh, oh, celebrating oh, in the boy. streets of New York. The world celebrates. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Moral victory championship parade. <laughs> <laughs> Another participation trophy. <laughs> and you know, you know that I particularly love participation trophies. That is moral victories. I hearken back to last year's baseball season when certain teams were hovering around 500, and people in Philadelphia were thrilled. Hey, that's a that's a, that's a big win for us these days to get to 500 in baseball. But we're not ready for baseball yet. What are we talking about this week, fellas? Yeah, what are we talking? Let's go. Well. Let me kick it off because uh, yeah, we almost had another uh, Kobe-like incident uh, this week. I mean, if you didn't have PTSD uh, when you heard earlier this week that there'd been a crash in the the L.A. metro area involving a high-paid, very well-known celebrity athlete, uh, then you don't have a pulse. But um, we found out pretty quickly because it's TMZ. They're the ones that break stories now, not ESPN or any of the other sporting networks. Uh, TMZ let us know that Tiger Woods had been in a near-fatal crash in Rollingwood Hills, uh, rolled his car a number of times uh, in the morning, was heading to a taping session. Um, nobody knew at the time how severe it was going to be. Uh, there was thoughts that you know it could be potentially life-threatening, um, that he could have had, uh, you know, critical injuries uh, that resulted in brain damage or spinal cord injury, anything like that. Fortunately, uh, we found out later that day that it was just uh, crush injuries to his lower legs. Um, they're going to have to reconstruct, obviously, his, his right foot, his right leg, and uh, injuries that you would expect, guys, uh, that would probably be the end of Tiger on a competitive level uh, for the PGA Tour and beyond. Um, Probably we're heading there a little bit already with another back surgery is fifth earlier in December. Um, and a, an interview you had with Jim Nance recently at the uh, uh, Riviera where he said he didn't have a timetable for his return. But unfortunately, guys, I don't think Tiger ever is going to return to the form anywhere close to where he was. And it'll be a miracle uh, if he plays another competitive round of golf that we can see. So I think um, what we do is we kind of have to let it 
put him in perspective um, as far as uh, what, what does the PGA world look like uh, if Tiger doesn't come back? Because there's no golfer, uh, obviously, in history that's had a bigger impact. I did a little bit of research uh, to get ready for this pod, and some of the statistics are just staggering on the impact that he's had. And I'm going to turn it over and let you guys talk after I uh, roll out some statistics for you. But in 1996, which was the last year before Tiger came on tour, the total prize money given out for the entire tour that year was $101 million. Mm. The last time that I could find a stat for that was over $370 million on an annual basis. That was sometime 2014 or 15. Um, I don't think it's gone up a whole lot since then, but just think about the impact that's had on the purses. The purses average was 1.5 million in 2000 in 1996. And now it's well over 8 million. Um, you could argue that the two golfers who benefited the most from Tiger Woods were Vijay Singh and Phil Mickelson, because those guys made a mint off of the impact he had on the purses uh, in golf. But um, the numbers will are just staggering when you look at it. 600 golfers now have over $1 million in their pension plans, and 114 have over $3 million in their pension plans. And that is a direct result of the increase in the purses and the ratings power that one Tiger Woods drew. Right now, he's ranked number 53 in the world. And obviously, that's his zenith. We'll never see uh, him go above 53, and he's just going to go down from there. But if you put it in perspective, he was number one for 697 weeks, which is 13 years And he was in the top 10 for 900 weeks, which is over 17 years. So that's nuts. We're just never going to see anything like it. And I think, you know, we can put Tiger in perspective all different ways uh, when you look at it. But the impact that he's had on golf and uh, the larger part of the sporting world um, should just should be admired. Well, well said, Pope. Very, very well said, Pope. I mean, if you think about it, he was 45 years old with the back of a 75-year-old, and he was still packing the galleries every time he was out. Um, he brought he brought fans to the game that didn't know they were golf fans. He brought min- you know minorities to the game. Uh, kids grew up and wanted to be Tiger. I mean, he's irreplaceable, especially with this current group of golfers. I mean, I don't think there is a, an established golfer right now who, who has the ability to reach this dominant iconic status that Tiger and Jack and Arnie had. You know, uh, I was born in 1970 and growing up until my really until my twenties, there were four major sports and that was it. There was, it really wasn't worth turning on the dial. You might turn on like ABC wide world of sports and see something that's like a little off the page, but Tiger Woods came close to creating a fifth major sport. That's how popular he made golf. It became 
that you were willing to look on the weekends for something other than the four major sports if Tiger was on the leaderboard, which he always was. And, you know, the other thing is, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes when I turn on a game and it's not one of my teams playing and I'm just deciding whether I'll end up having a rooting interest for somebody or not, Tiger was magnetic. I could not help myself. Every time he showed up on the screen, I wanted his shot to go in. I wanted to see him climb the leaderboard. I got nervous when other people were chasing him. When it was a tie, I was always rooting for Tiger. There was something about his personality. And yes, I mean, we've had these debates in the other sports. And so you'll have Palmer and you'll have Nicholas and you'll have player and you'll have tiger. And statistically you can make comparisons based on championships, one and PGA events one. But I think what Pope just laid out, the numbers don't lie. What he brought to the game in money in ratings and popularity. I mean, when I first started playing golf and I was going to public courses, it was no problem getting on the course. When tiger started playing, the courses got busy. The hacks went to the sporting goods store, bought clubs, and just wanted to be like Tiger. I think he's done, sadly. I know he's I know in 2019 he put on a Superman cape, and that was one of the greatest spectacles in sports when he won the Masters in 2019. But I I can't imagine uh, you know, with pins and needles and rods and uh, you know, a peg leg being able to pull off the demanding uh four-day weekend of of golf. But you know, it's I, it's an, it's a career that will be, I think, unmatched. Plus, don't forget, he was still recovering from back surgery, which had to have been messed up by this crash. Well, yeah, I mean, didn't you initially think there was like painkillers involved? I did. Turns out yeah, there I, wasn't, though. Yeah, right. Why? I mean, what is the love affair that people have with Tiger? I mean, what what was it? Or what is it about him? I mean, we, we've seen dominant players in other sports and often they're hated by everybody else, right? You know, we don't, we don't want to go back to the Tom Brady conversation. We've had that. But Tom Brady is not a fan favorite unless he's playing for your team. Speak right? for Well, I mean, LeBron. <laughs> people, people don't love LeBron, although his, you know, his star is a little brighter now than it was after some, you know, after the decision and all that, but, but Tiger was the beloved dominant player who people wanted to see continue dominating. You don't get that very often. Why is that? Well, I mean, he had, he had it, whatever it is. We always talk about that. Whatever it is, Tiger had it. You know what Phil Knight said, the Nike chairman, when Tiger first turned pro is he said, what Michael Jordan did to basketball, Tiger Woods is about to do to golf. Yeah, but I mean, he was but, larger than life. But, but think, um, think about had, look what, at the photographs behind you and Milk. He had this exuberance that was electric. But Nace you know, brings up did. a good point. Like, and this is like the mystery uh, for myself that I've always and I've said this for several years. You know, as we were watching the 2019 Masters, and my heart was literally like pounding. I think we were texting each other back and forth. Like, is anyone else's heart pounding? But by all indications. We should totally hate this guy, right? right like right. the fact, not just the fact that he's a great player and, and we should just not like him because of that, but like he's done some bad stuff off the golf course. He, you know, he, he's, 
he's there's a lot of a lot of uh evidence out there that that we shouldn't like Tiger Woods nor should we look up to him. Teflon Tiger. But but for some reason we're obsessed with him. Like I long for his success. I I have no idea why. It's crazy. He's like the only player I can think of in any sport that I sit there and I'm just like, I really don't care what you do. Like you, another bad story could probably come. I mean, unless he killed somebody that I would like ever change Would I ever start rooting against him. I mean, there, there were how many bad stories have come out about tiger and then, and we're all like, yeah, whatever. Okay. And, and along that, and Pope, to your point and everybody's points about the, the statistics and the way he affected the game and, and grew its viewership, doesn't it still feel like his career was a little disappointing? I mean, isn't there a, a, a twinge of, of he didn't accomplish everything that we all thought and hoped he would? I mean, I don't think you can look at him and not think, you know, he's not going to end up with the the record for majors. Nope. I, I, that's got to be a disappointment on some I, level. No, I hear what you're saying. I, I mean, I think he was on a trajectory and I, we all felt like he was going to smash yes. the record. And I think he got to 13 or 14 and then just stalled out from a series of you <laughs> self-inflicted, know, errors. self-inflicted yeah. errors. And then, but I got to tell you, I was at that same place that you're talking about where like I'm deciding after all these things and he's made his comeback and he's had some stuff off the course. I, I remember texting him with you guys as we were all watching 2018 at East Lake at the tour championship. You guys remember oh. how people started to fill in behind him when he was coming up. Right. Uh, yeah. 18. Yeah. And I, I think, I think, uh, Bison, you were talking about how you used to live near, yeah. you know, East Lake. That used to be your kind of stomping grounds. And I, oh my God, I, I actually am getting chills now yeah. thinking yeah. about how people were filling in behind him. And yeah. we love in sports the redemption story. We really love the hero who then falls, who then comes back and gets back to the top again. And the people filling in behind him, 2018 at East Lake, the Tour Championship. That was the completion of the redemption story. And, you know, like like Rooster says, that fist pump that's iconic, that's behind Milk right now, you know, that Tiger fist bump after he makes one of these big putts and walks it in, that's what got people going. Because, you know, golf was about the golf clap, you know, mm-hmm. and whispering on television about the play. Tiger made you want to get out of your seat and like break through the barrier of golf and cheer like a regular sport. Yeah. That's a Become good one of those losers who yelled, get a man every time he <laughs> teed off. Mashed potatoes. Well, and he and he he broke the he broke the racial barrier too, guys, with right. With right. What he well, did he didn't break it. He didn't 90s. break it, but he, he smashed it. He smashed it. Yeah. I mean, you had you already had black uh golfers, but the nothing compared to the dominance of Tiger. Um, and he became a worldwide sports figure. There's very few uh, uh, people who rise to that level um, in American sports. Um, and, you know, the 2019 Masters, we were all texting, I remember. Same, same thing as Eastlake. Uh, really, the, I, I guess I would say that was the culmination of the redemption tour because uh, when he won the Masters and he was able to share it with his kids, 
in a way that he had not been able to share any other majors um, at Augusta, uh, totally uh, unexpected, getting another green jacket um, and getting that 15th major. Uh, I, I think that was truly one of the great um, American uh, sports moments of the, of this century for sure. But, uh, you know, certainly uh, as far as I can remember, Everybody remembers where they Pope, were that Sunday Pope, afternoon. Absolutely. Pope, it was so good that I think last year when they played it in April, remember because of COVID, they didn't they didn't play the Masters in April. Everyone knows that. But they replayed on Sunday that round, the Tiger round. Big ratings. And, and I remember texting with all you guys then and having, you know, your heart rate was going. Like right. it was, you couldn't like, turn it off and you man, knew what was going to happen. He's got to get up and down, guys. Yeah. But <laughs> I, I think, I think, and, and you know, I think history will maybe show it this way. I mean, a little bit of, of what I was alluding to and, and House, what you said. What athlete has had the ups and downs? I mean, the, the, the total dominant ups fo- followed by the complete downfall of everything. And then to come all the way back to the pinnacle. And now, I mean, this guy's laying in a hospital bed right now with a long recovery. I mean, the, you know, he is a person and he's going to have a long recovery in front of him just to be able to get back to walk again. And I mean, you really look back, it's, you're going to be hard pressed to find another athlete who had the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. And, and I think that that's part of why he will always be so revered. Well, and you throw in the father figure uh, part of the story and you really have a tragic hero story where he's, yeah. you know, part of what hurt his career was his desire to do all this Army Ranger Navy SEAL training stuff. And he hurt his knees and got too bulked up, you know, so he could be like his dad. His dad drove him so hard, which made yeah. him into the competitor he is. But it also may have, you know, led him off the path. I mean, he he kept changing that swing after he hurt his knees and got all bulked up. I think it cost them a couple of majors. Well, so, so here we are now, you know, we, we've got to figure, I mean, look, if we're not in the post tiger world and there's another chapter to write, I mean, whew, yeah, right. <laughs> we'll all come back in, in three years and do another pot on it, but all right, here we are today. What's the PGA got? You know, I, I feel like we went through a stretch where there were these young fit guys, the post-Tiger model of these, you know, guys who worked out, lifted weights, and they were all sort of right there, and you were looking for rivalries. And in different ways, they all sort of flamed out. You know, I mean, some of them will win here and there, but what what's the PGA got now to, to hang its hat on? The PGA has got to be nervous as hell. I mean, you know, they, they negotiated, a, I think it was a 10-year TV contract back when Tiger was coming back the first time in his mid-30s. And that's that's up, right? And now they've got what do they have? They have a bunch of they have a few guys, a handful of guys maybe who had periods of brilliance but couldn't maintain it. They're never going to be Tiger. I'm talking about Rory and Jordan Spieth, guys like that. Even Kepka, you know, who I think is a dick. I don't like Kepka. Kepka. You can there like Rory, you can like Spieth. <laughs> yeah, there it is. But there it is. Dick. Made money on the over. Yeah, uh, yeah, you, yeah, you did. Yeah. Then they've got this bunch of perfectly nice, good golfers who are just boring as hell. I mean, Colin Morikawa, get excited. Do anything you, for you? 
Does anyone get excited watching Justin Tom, Tom no. Thomas or, or and even it pisses me off DJ or Rom? Well, this I is mean, my point. This is my DJ point. And, I, and Kepka are, are just stiffs. They don't have no personality. No, I mean, in the Morikawa, I'm glad he won. He's a nice guy, but I'm not going to be jumping up and down for Morikawa <laughs> ever. In the no. last three years, unless Tiger was in the leaderboard, I do not turn on the TV unless it's maybe a major. And maybe the major's close. But sometimes the major, somebody's just running away with it. What's the point? The, the PGA is either going to need a rivalry to get going. They're going to need a young gun with personality. I, I mean, at the Bryson DeChambeau, because he's such a different player, is Ugh. a little bit of an interesting story. But but not really. No. Not really. Not really. Such a robot. I mean, here, let me give you some names. Let me just throw some names out here of, you know, sort of the young guns, right? Uh, we obviously talked about Morikawa. Victor Hovland? No. Uh, Matt, Matthew Wolf? Maybe. I like him. I like him. I like him. Really interesting. Nice golf. Sung J M. Pass. <laughs> Scotty Scheffler? Ugh. He's no. a Highland Park guy. He's boring. Here, I got one for you. Homa. Max Homa. No. Yeah, he's interesting. He's a fun guy. He's a good dude. Will Zalatoris? Now he's supposed to be the future. He's another boring as hell. He's like a he, he, he's like uh Bernard Longer's personality. Give the me Andrew, give I, me I, Andrew Beef Johnston or you know, somebody <laughs> like Pepper. that. Then we need yeah. John Daly to come back. Yeah, then I'll turn right. on TV. The only, the only other guy that I like actually like love and follow just as much as tiger not as much was fred couples he's like the only other guy in my that can get in that he's just a likable dude well, well i think you felt I the like same phil. way about phil yeah, yeah. phil phil uh, yeah, yeah no, but, but uh. phil phil's gone on to greener pastures he's going to dominate the senior tour for a while he but right. he's not going to be competitive uh in any of the majors Maybe I, I Augusta thought, once or I, twice, but that's I think it. the immediate future of PGA golf is rooting against players like Patrick Reed. That's their best chance of good ratings because maybe I, I mean people no only, ro- only rooster can work the punchable face early on. I yeah. hate that guy. <laughs> I can't listen. I just I, say this uh, to, to kind of wrap up Tiger because I, I know today we're going to talk about the NBA, but. You know, we've celebrated, or I guess Milk celebrated Tom Brady, whatever. But yeah, baby, uh, we talked about on these podcasts about the mental game, and I'm sure we'll talk a little bit today about you know Kobe and the Mamba mentality. Tiger is one of the few athletes I've ever seen that could rival Jordan or Kobe with that kind of. I mean, the mental game was yep. just incomparable the right. best mental game i've ever seen in sports Absolutely. when he was at the top of his game what young player would want to be in a playoff with him well, what old player it's what over player? what player period yeah, it, there was right. a there was a stat at one point about the the delta between tiger whoever he was playing with in a final round and it was just like people just melted if they had to play with him in the final round he it was like plus seven or something like that God. Who was who was the golfer he played in the U.S. Open? The old guy when he broke his leg, still won. Rocco, mediate. Oh, yeah, yeah Rocco. Yeah, yeah. He's like, 
That was his poor guy. That was his last. That was his last major before uh, Masters nineteen. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, here's a tiger. Uh, yeah, here's a tiger. Cheers, well, tiger. Yeah, tiger. Like him. Get better, and we'll see you back out. Last yeah. stat on last stat on Tiger. I looked this up when he was in the top five, going into like a final round or the weekend or whatever. One hundred and fifty percent increase in tv viewership compared this is like 2018 after he'd come off like three years off compared to the year before so talk about a huge problem that the pga tour has sure listen i'd rather watch tiger's son play right now than most of these guys out uh, he's the only hope yeah, <laughs> yeah. so we'll Sim- see him in about five years a new simba, hope simba simba woods he is the hope right. <laughs> he'll be on tour at 12 yeah well if we had sponsors, we could take a break right now and and uh, and then move into the next segment. But we don't have sponsors, so we don't need to worry about that. Hit, what hit. about yeah? How about the NBA guys? Anything? Uh, any anybody got any thoughts on NBA? We're getting close to the All Star game. We got some mid season, you know, sort of right around there. Uh, Trust Kyrie the process. Kyrie made some news this week. Oh, you mean Kyrie. he doesn't believe the world's flat anymore? Well, I think he might still, but look, I have a lot to say about the NBA today. (laughs) (laughs) How do you feel about the Tampa Bay Raptors? Yeah. Yeah. Have you been to a game? Look, you guys are very lucky. We don't have a team because we all know what would happen this year. (laughs) Uh, Well, if if Tampa Bay really mattered, then y'all would win it this year for the Raptors. Well, they're not our team. That would have that effect. They're They're hanging out here for a few months. Yeah, the, the Tampa Raptors are about as much their team as Tom Brady is their quarterback. But anyway, Ooh, I digress. Whoa. Okay. Or, Wait, you or mean, Bryce Harper is to the Phillies. You mean you're not hanging out with Siakam? <laughs> you're not hanging out with Siakam at Gasparilla? Right. <laughs> so I, I actually think this year the NBA is at, at times unwatchable and at times just extremely exciting. I mean, when you got these teams like your your Wizards, Bison, my yeah. Knicks, the Hornets, the Suns, the Jazz. I mean, you know, these teams are have been bad for years and now and they're playing great. But on the other end of the spectrum, the the replays are making these games unwatchable. You get to the end of the game and they've got five minutes uh. delays while they look to see whose fingertip last touched the ball. And and yet they can't figure out you know, all these, all these terrible flopping calls and the guys are jumping, you know, guys running down on offense with his head down. Someone jumps in front of him and takes a charge at mid court. I mean, that, that stuff has to end. Did you, did you guys see that flop that LeBron did earlier this year against Memphis? Yeah. Yeah. Where some guy went and like threw his hands back trying to get a rebound and maybe his fingertip grazed tiger's cheek and tiger does this delayed, like has been punched in the jaw so hard he's knocked out backwards flop and they give him two shots at the free throw line i mean that part of the game to me is making it unwatchable they need to tiger fix the replays and the flopping it's become like a euro soccer game at times well i'll I'll give credit to the nba um notwithstanding the flop problem um it is taking over in the world just behind soccer is the most popular sport, despite no Jordan, despite 
no Kobe. Yes, they have LeBron, but I think it's a game of superstars. And I think it's a game where you need two to three superstars to win, which is why, you know, in terms of looking forward to the playoffs this year, we can scratch off teams that uh, that don't have two or three superstars, which means there's going to be some movement here coming up. But here's my mid my midseason awards. Um, for MVP, I think it's really going to be a great race this year. You have five guys who are really standing out. Of course, you have LeBron. He's having another great year. Steph Curry has put the team on his back. He's back from his injury. He's been incredible. Uh, the most underrated and quiet player that not enough people know about is Damian Lillard, who's having an incredible season at Portland. Dame. And then, and then you've got part of the future, the next Dirk, Luka Doncic, and my guy, the process, Joel Embiid, who is defying the role of the big man. So I, I think it's really uh, a five-man race. However, with all of that, I think there's another guy in there that's going to surpass them all, maybe, which you wouldn't think about. But Nikola Jokic, mm. Jokic on Denver, it, his numbers are unbelievable. I mean, the guy is actually fourth in the NBA in steals, believe it or yep. not. Yep. Uh, he, he, Look at his he, assists. Look at his assists. He's 8.5 assists per game. I mean, he is dominating. And I think, right, I think at the end of the year, uh, if those two teams continue to do well, it's going to be Embiid versus Jokic. Um, Bradley Beal, I think your team, Bison, I th- mark it down. They're making the playoffs. Well, I'll tell you, you, on- don't, you don't want to oh. play them in that. You don't want to play them in that in that play-in tournament. That's for sure. They're on fire. They just they beat, are on fire. They just beat and they should have beaten the Celtics last night. Yeah, they beat Denver. They beat the Jazz. They beat the Lakers, right? Yeah, they beat the Celtics on and that beat, trip too. Yeah, I mean they've beaten some great teams in the last six games. Yeah, I think the Bradley Beal leads in scoring. Two. Yeah, they lost and they're beating to the good Celtics. Teams. Yeah. They lost to the Celtics last night because Beal slipped on a puddle of sweat and lost the ball out of bounds. Otherwise, they had that game right, won. right. But that trade is turning out actually starting to work out pretty well for them. Uh, Westbrook's playing great. Beal's leading the league in scoring with almost 33 points. Um, but I think we all need to talk about Julius you know, talk Randall. About, <laughs> well, he's <laughs> you know, very impressive. The Knicks are – it's impressive. He, he'll be most improved player this year, Randall. I, I'm pretty sure about that. But we talk about superstars make the team. Can we talk about the Bro- Brooklyn Nets since Pope called it? Since Pope called it, right? Yeah, Pope called it. Hell no yeah, one else I saw did. it coming. Pope, Pope, nobody else saw it coming. Yeah, Pope <laughs> went out on a limb. Pope Sardamas got that once again. Yeah. Harden's playing point guard, and and they're that team is just rolling. But you know, you know what's so interesting about the NBA though is you know, kind of to your point, Toby, like you have to have superstars, right? But there's not a lot of different superstars who have won because you've had such dominance by a couple guys, by a couple teams, right? I mean, LeBron shut off pretty much anybody from the East winning for, you know, a good, what, 10 years. 
because uh, he was the only guy in the East getting getting into the finals. And then you look back, you know, you you had Golden State was was dominant there for a little. I mean, it's just you look at the guys who are the superstars right now. The guys who Toby you just talked about as as MVP candidates, and they don't have any titles, right? Other than you know you take LeBron out of the mix. Well, Curry. Yeah, Steph that's Curry. true. Curry, that's true. Curry does. Curry does. You didn't You're mention right. you didn't mention Giannis in the MVP MVP discussion. I think some shine is wearing off. Yeah, you got a little, little, little disappointment, right? But yeah, but Mace, hasn't the like NBA always the last six seven games? Hasn't the NBA always been like this? I mean, as a as someone who knows very little, I mean, <laughs> isn't there always like one, two, or three teams dominating? I always, I just there's like the Lakers, the Celtics, the Bulls, you know. Yeah, I mean Spurs, Spurs, yeah. I think oh, parody's four, hitting the NBA this four year. Four titles. Though. Yeah. The heat, the heat, the Cavs. The answer is no, you're wrong. Right. Yeah, and Milk, <laughs> since you since you show you know so much about the NBA, Milk, do you know who's leading the Western Conference right now? Uh, if you thought it was the Lakers, you would be wrong. I'm taking yeah. the under on this. <laughs> uh, uh, Their team has been mentioned already. You can't look it up fast enough. I'm not even sure that you would know this is a state in the United States. <laughs> 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 who, who is leading? The Utah Jazz. Utah Jazz. Yes. Ooh, interesting. And, and they, they are rolling. They are, yeah. We, Donovan you know, Mitchell. You know what you don't have? You, you don't have teams, and, and I'm sure as soon as I say this, somebody's going to throw out a team. I mean, Brooklyn, Brooklyn is the only one, I think, with three superstars. Right? Like, like LeBron went to Miami and started the – we got to have three guys here, you know, superstar, super team kind of thing. And then Golden State followed that at one point. And, you know, you kind of had a, a brief history, but where you had three superstars all trying to get together on the same team. We're sort of at a point where teams are, are running with two, right? They're running with two guys. And right. I think that helps with except the parity a little bit. Except for the Nets. Except for the Nets. <laughs> That's right. Your, yeah. your yeah, that's, yeah, that's Pope's latest team. Yeah. What happened to your Mavs? <laughs> They'll be there. Oh, okay. Do you think so, Pope? I can't stand the Nets. I'm just saying my Nets because I, you know, I'm on. Porzingis is going to be gone in the next week or two. Uh, yeah, I'm, I am a little worried about that. But Pope is going to have a Brooklyn hat on next week. Yeah, he yeah. <laughs> because he has a great uh, uncle who ordering it through Brooklyn. <laughs> right. Yeah. Now. He's going to Amazon right now. <laughs> yeah. You know, I for hate, all the I hate Harden. All, I can't tell you how much I hate Harden. <laughs> for all the angst that Stephen A. and Spike Lee had, and how badly the Knicks screwed things up, and how how they really got screwed out of the number one pick, they're a pleasant surprise in the NBA this year, Rooster. I mean, at, they're above five hundred, and they actually have an entertaining team. I can't believe it. I I honestly can't believe it. Last year, they won a total of seventeen games. Wow. Right now they're 18 and 17 and they don't have one superstar, let alone three. They have a guy who had all kinds of potential on the Lakers and they let him go because he would like get up ahead of steam and dribble into three defenders and lose the ball Random. and then make a great play and then lose the ball. And I think Thibodeau is the, is the answer. I think Tom Thibodeau has done a great job 
teaching Julius Randle and this rookie Quigley to play on an NBA team. And he's got the team doing the opposite of what the Celtics do. They pass the ball around. They have a movement offense and they play tough defense. Now the Celtics play good defense. They are the worst passing team in the NBA. They, you know, the, I was listening to um, Ryan Scalabrese talking about this the other day. He, he was talking about this stat for wide open looks. Celtics are 27th or 8th in the league in wide open looks. They specialize hmm. in Jason Tatum taking the most difficult shot he could possibly take. And he's so good, they, they go in a lot. But if you got a wide open look, then those are going in a lot more. And um, the, the Knicks are just playing solid, solid defense, ball movement offense. And, you know, Toby, you and I talked earlier this year about how Obi was going to be the only thing we had to cheer for in, in New York. The last time the Knicks had anything like this to cheer for in Madison Square Garden was Lynn Sanity. That's how long it's been. Oh, my God. And that was short-lived. But, but Obi is scoring two or four points a game. He's, score, he's playing like sometimes four minutes a game. He can't even crack the lineup. Um, Austin Rivers is a coach's choice. Do not play most nights. Uh, you know, Tom Thibodeau has this core group of young players that he's molded into the way he likes to play hard-nosed defense and, and unselfish offense. And it's, it's working there right now. If the playoffs started, they'd have home court advantage in the first round. Can you imagine that? I mean, I'm not kidding myself. I don't think the Knicks are going to even make the playoffs in the end. But God, this has been a nice turnaround. It but really it, but is the is the East parity or is it just mediocrity? Because the Knicks are one game from being out of the playoffs. They're they're at four and a half games back, and the eighth team is five and a half games back, and the ninth team is six games back. I mean, well, you have I, I, five I teams you. that are all at 500 in the East. And if, if you look at the comparable team in the West to the Knicks, it's the Suns and they're 22 and 11. Well, and the Mavs it, right now are 500 and they would be uh, in the playoffs, number five slot in the East. So, right, right. you know, if the, if the Knicks were in the East Southeast division, the, the Wizards division, they'd be in first place. So, yes, the yeah. East is terrible. <laughs> Well, I'll say this about the home court advantage. It's going to be fun to see, um, other than Florida and its super spreader environment in the Super Bowl, the NBA is going to be the first league where we're going to see again post-COVID some home court advantage in the playoffs. Because I think now we're going to start to see these stadiums allowing you know, 25 35%. And I think it could make a difference for some of these teams in the playoffs. Uh, it'd be interesting to see, to hear even, even 30% full to hear Madison square garden rocking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I, think, sport. I think we want to talk a little bit about the Sixers though. I mean, we can't, we can't do this segment without talking about them because um, I know Toby, you're pretty excited about them. Got a lot of reasons to be, and we should get it on the record so that when they crash down and fail miserably <laughs> in the playoffs, we can go back to this and, and have recorded the joy and excitement that you had. So well, the good news is the Celtics aren't good this year, so that gives the Sixers at least one round in the playoffs. We're four bounces away from one championship, thanks to the Tampa Bay Raptors. And I listen, Embiid is healthy. He shed some weight. He he in the offseason he lifted weights. He's a monster. 
he's been dominating the best centers in the game this year. Um, Ben Simmons is really starting to come on his offensive game too. He's the best defense. I think he could get best, he, you know, he, the defensive player like, of the year. He's like Deion Sanders in his prime. He's a shutdown yeah. uh, guard. I mean, he, he neutralized Doncic the other night. I was stunned. And yeah. He could get it. defense. Yeah. He could I, get defensive I, yeah, player of the I year. I agree with that. I, I mean, mean go bear gets it because everyone thinks he's the best, but Ben Simmons is the most versatile. I mean, he can guard one night. He can guard, LeBron and the next night, night guard Dame Lill, Lillard. I mean, his yeah. versatility is amazing. And he's got a, his attitude on on defense. He is all over defense. He's but probably they, the most excited defensive player I've seen since Rodman. He's really great defensively, but they are still searching in replacement of JJ Redick. They do not. They thought it was Seth Curry. He was shooting fifty percent, then got COVID, and then he's shooting like fifteen twenty percent. It, Danny Green is just too long in the tooth. I think to to really excel in the NBA playoffs, you need that inside-outside game, and you've got to have that legit three-point shooter, and we're still missing it. So, if so Seth Curry's 47% from the three-point line. I bet you that number's dropped. That was, I mean, that was from the Sunday stats. Really? Yeah. He, he was off of the last couple games post-COVID. Maybe he'll get his groove back. What about your namesake? How? Isn't he a good Toby? Toby, player? trust in Toby. He's out right now with a leg injury. But, you know, if you've got a Toby on your team, you're a winner. <laughs> so I am with you on Embiid. I think it's kind of interesting that when Charles Barkley and, and Shaq did that interview with him like <laughs> in the last season and said, hey, man, you got to start be learning, playing the post and dominating down low and being a big man and start – stop all this hanging out on the three-point line and and you need to get yourself in shape i think he took that to heart a little bit and it shows but if he doesn't win the mvp this year it's going to be because he lapses back into that and and i said this to you earlier in the week i saw shades of that in the houston rockets game where the sixers are up by 29 at the half and the Rockets have like nobody on their team right now than John Wall. And John Wall single-handedly brought them back in the second half to within five, maybe three points. And during that whole stretch, Embiid was sort of like slumbering down the court on offense and stopping at the three-point line, waiting to take a difficult shot. If he gets down in the post, Houston can't do anything with him. There's nothing they can do to guard him other than double and triple team him. Then, then he kicks out to Seth Curry for an open, wide open three pointer. I agree. I listen. I if agree. He plays we, like we, that. It, you, you're hard to beat. We lost an embarrassing game this weekend to Cleveland, who's our kryptonite. And the reason the Sixers lost is because the easy play was to give it to Embiid in the post, let him get up, get fouled, where he's great from the free throw line, but yep. he he wouldn't do it. But it'll be interesting. I think I think the NBA will be a fun second half. I do think there's a lot of parity. Um, and you know, it'll be good to see fans in the seats, but what I want to ask all you guys is relative to the NBA is should the NBA change its logo at the suggestion of Kyrie Irving? Well, well I don't think, I don't think they should do anything at the suggestion of Kyrie Irving, <laughs> but, but milk, you go ahead. Jerry West doesn't want to even be the logo anymore. Right. 
Like he he he's not well, even comfortable. Well, first of all, he doesn't even, you know, they've never actually claimed and right. said but we know it it's is him. him. Now he says it's him. And and yeah, he is a little uncomfortable with it, but but the NBA has never actually said, Oh yeah, that's that's right. Jerry. Right. So. I, I think it's time to move on from Jerry. I do. Um, I don't think that Kyrie Irving should be leading this conversation. And if we're going to move on from Jerry, I don't think it should be Kobe Bryant. I totally agree with, well, I agree in part with the article uh, in the post yesterday by Kevin Blackstone, um, who, who, who he said, it's not time to move on from Jerry. I disagree with that. Um, but he said that, um, Kobe's if we do move on, move on, Kobe's not the guy. And, and, and I agree for the reasons I told you you guys the other day, um, look, you either, you either believe or you don't believe that Kobe raped that woman in Denver. And if you believe that, how can you want him to be the, the logo of the league in perpetuity? You just can't. And you know, I don't want to relitigate that case, but I think there's a good case to be made that, first of all, he admitted to having sex with her. It's not like he's like saying, no, no, I would never met that woman. He admits he had sex with her. She had scratches all over her, and his legal team, you know, bullied her and paid her a boatload of money um, secretly and and bought her off. Now, is that the guy you want to be the logo forever of the NBA or at least for as long as Jerry West was not me. I'd rather have Dr. J doing the hand in the air dunk or Kareem doing the sky hook or, or the big O doing the jump shot or Seth Curry or Steph Curry doing his jump shot. One of those people, but not, you know, Kobe was a great, great amazing player and until that incident was one of my favorite players but he's he's not the face of the league he shouldn't be the face of the league what Bill is Russell, the, what's the, the backdrop here what why what are they why why do they want to change the logo the backdrop is the logo has been around since 1969 the nba it's kind of iconic it, the the it is iconic the nba is now 75% black in terms of the players and uh, the question is, does the logo, if assuming it is Jerry West, does the logo reflect really what is the NBA player, which in and of itself is a tough question to ask. Okay. And, and, and I listen, I'm against the whole idolization and make a statue of somebody, you know, like, what are you going to do? You're going to make it Wilt Chamberlain, who says he slept with 20,000 women, you know, like it's really, really hard to say we're going to, and by the way, besides that just smooth, silky basketball move that is the logo today, other than Michael Jordan's jump man, who really does have an iconic play that is so memorable that Sky there's hook. a, I guess Kareem, it could be the Kareem Skyhook. Iverson stepping over Ty Lu. <laughs> I love that. That's what it should be. <laughs> Or how about Stan Van man. Gundy hanging on to uh, <laughs> yeah. the ankles of Alonzo? <laughs> oh, so, yeah. <laughs> how about the Latrell Sprewell choking PJ Carlissimo? The Jumpman's oh. iconic. I mean, if you're gonna yeah. if you're gonna go there, yeah, it is. It is. 
But and, but it's not exactly cutting edge. It's not new. I mean, he's he did that in like '84. But it's also on it's also on uh, sports apparel for for teams outside the NBA, isn't it? I mean, I think the Jumpman yeah. logo you yeah, see it's on a, it's football a jerseys on on right. other you know on other logos. It does it's not it doesn't belong to the NBA anymore. It's a brand. Right. The, the problem with changing logo, the current logo looks like an old dude doing a set shot, about to do a set shot. It's it's not even the way the game is played anymore. Well, that's true. But but then the question is 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 a logo. Sp- I mean, it could be. Is a logo supposed to be changing with the time? Is the is it going to supposed to be another new player in 30, 40 years from now? Right. You're setting. I mean, that's it. that's the problem. I mean, they, they say, oh well, Kobe was great. There's going to be a bunch of us guys sitting around and doing the whatever Tuesday morning quarterbacks, and they're going to say like. Yeah, that Kobe guy. Who remembers him? Let's go with this new guy. Like, you know, well, uh, that's Kevin Blackstone's point in his piece is don't need to change it. And but if you're going to, it shouldn't be Kobe. Right. Maybe he's right. Yeah. I agree. What's your vote? Change or no change? Bison? I'm gonna go with change. Rooster? I'm gonna go with change. Milk? I say no change. Not surprised. Pope, <laughs> change it to jump man or leave it leave it alone. Also not surprising. Don't, <laughs> don't change don't changing. Try to please me. House Thumbs breaks, down. House breaks the tie. <laughs> <laughs> so we got Laura Ingraham and Milk <laughs> on one side. <laughs> That's too good. <laughs> All right. Well. I guess we uh, we got plenty more in the NBA coming up. We'll be talking uh, talking more NBA on the pod in the in the upcoming weeks. The LeBrons versus the KDs, man, can't wait. Yeah, well, who do you, who do you have in the championship right now? Yeah, who do you think is going to be in? Hmm. I'm going Lakers. Wow, and I'm going to do it. This is going to be painful. Wow. But I'm going to say Sixers. <laughs> wow. I'm I'm with you assuming AD doesn't really have an Achilles that's about to snap. Yeah. Mid-season I'm going Jazz Nets. I think um LeBron is really really tough in the playoffs. Uh if AD is healthy, I'm going with Lakers and unless the Sixers out of peace at the deadline, I unfortunately am going to go with the Nets. I think these three are going to gel, and I think they're going to be really tough to beat. I do think the East cha- Championship will be the Sixers-Nets. I think it's going to be amazing, but if I had to predict it, I'd say Lakers-Nets. And I, 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 w- I, I think I think the Nets take them. I think the Nets could be champions. Yep. Oh, okay. Pope called it. Milk, what do you got? Milk, who do you got? Come on, we'll give you a vote, even though you don't know anything. I'll go with the Celtics Lakers. Are they still good? (laughs) (laughs) Are the Chicago Bulls still good? Yes. Put all your money on the Bulls. Yes. Red (laughs) Auerbach versus. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I would love, I would actually watch a Lakers. I I kind of am very intrigued by Lakers Sixers final. That's, that's a, that seems kind of different. Yeah. Good. Although the Nets would be kind of cool too. 
Do you think Good Dr. Analysis, J would be uh, analysis milk. available? <laughs> milk. Is, is Michael Jordan still playing? <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that brings us to punchable face of the week. And it's actually my turn. Woohoo! Oh, wow. We've been waiting so, six long punch. weeks for this. There's there's kind of an obvious one, and, and, I, and I'm going to get to it. But before I do that, I, I do want to take a little liberty and, and just mention that this guy, I don't know if you all know this guy, Seth John. Have you heard of this? Uh, the, the soccer, I guess the women's soccer league or the, or the, the national U.S. Soccer Federation, whatever that body is, had a vote on kneeling uh, during the anthem. They had they had a policy in place that you couldn't kneel, and then they undid it last summer, and then they kind of had a vote where they were going to put it back in place. And and a guy who's a, um, a former captain of the national seven aside team, he's a Paralympian. His name's Seth John. And he just went on like a seven minute rant that was like denying the effects of slavery and, you know, denying the existence of police brutality. And it's just not a good look at this point. I mean, look, if you're going to stand up and make a rant and deny that slavery was like, you know, important to the economic development of the United States and like pretend that isn't actually a historical fact you definitely should get punched in the face. I mean, this guy should have been punched in the face. He's lucky this was over Zoom and nobody was there to punch him in the face, in the face because he certainly took a, took a beating in the press afterwards. Um, but look, that's, that's not really the, the most obvious one this week. I think as a rule of thumb, when you're a soccer player, and you decide to call out arguably the greatest NBA basketball player of all time, you just are begging to get punched in the face. <laughs> I mean, so this guy, Zlatan, I'm not even going to try and say his last name because I'll butcher it. Toby, you want to give it to us? Ibramovic. Ibramovic. Who is clearly had an outstanding career in soccer just decided to take on LeBron and his political stances. And and the quote was, you know, he said, look, he's phenomenal at what he's doing, but then he had to go on and say, I don't like when people have some kind of status, they go and do politics at the same time, do what you're good at, do the category you do. I play football because I'm the best at playing football. I don't do politics Blah, 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 so on, so on. You've heard it. Shut up and dribble. Shut up and dribble, Laura Ingraham. Right. Shut up and dribble. And, you know, you're you're a soccer player. Why are you taking on LeBron? What are you doing? Just on that alone, that's my punchable face of the week. Let alone the fact that, damn it, it's good when, when athletes stand up for a position and take a stand on something. And that doesn't even mean we have to agree with them. But when they stand up and 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 LeBron said it, he said, you know, I'm not really, you know, uninformed, ill-informed when I open my mouth and say something. And he is a pretty thoughtful guy. You know, he's 
when you got a, a person like LeBron who every time he opens his mouth, there's a microphone in front of him, he's going to say some dumb stuff here and there. There's no way around that. We all do. But this guy is pretty thoughtful about what he stands up for, what he fights for. And it's just it's just stupid. Why are athletes taking on other athletes who want to stand up and and make change, make positive change in the world? So Zlatan, shut up, and you're the punchable face of the week. There's scalpel. Yeah, we'll save that. Good one. <laughs> Good one. Why does he keep calling calling it football? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm most offended by. Wow. Yeah. Fair point. I think it's oh football. My God. Football. So well, we got a did little hear, bit of Did us. you hear LeBron's comeback though? I thought it was very poignant. He he said, <laughs> Look, I started this school for underprivileged kids and many of them don't have their own voice and for hundreds of them, I am their voice. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that, that was that pretty good. powerful. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, well, we've got a, a little bit of a special segment we want to, we want to do uh, today. And I think uh, we're going to kick it off with Rooster. You're, you're going to lead this off, aren't you? Yeah. Hold on though. I'm, we're going to pour one out and I'm out and I'm out. I got to give myself a little hit here. Well, you this is know. interesting. Yeah. Oh, okay. And to our listeners, he's drinking Gatorade. <laughs> sponsored by Gatorade. Sponsored by old sponsored by Old Forester, 1897. Um, so we had the uh sad passing of Irv Cross the other day at age 81. Um and I, I felt like we needed to pour one out for Irv Cross. He was a real trailblazer and part of you know at least three of our childhoods. Um, you know, the guy was a pro bowl football player for, for the, uh, for the Eagles and the Rams, but that's not what he's known for. In 1971, he joined the NFL today crew, which was the sports show of, of our childhood. Um, and that's what I remember him for. I don't remember him as being the, the, the pioneer black broadcaster. I was a child. I remembered him as being my favorite guy on the NFL today. And that's why I guess he is a trailblazer because not Phyllis for, George for the, you know, for the black, uh, athletes who, who, who turned to journalism and broadcasting after they retired, he made the transition transition seamless for them. Nobody blinked after that. Because Irv Cross was so damn good at it, and people just loved him. I mean, he was the classiest guy on TV, especially when you juxtapose him with Jimmy the Greek on the same show, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, I mean, he just was a classy gentleman uh, who, who knew his stuff, and you just loved the guy. And and I mean, I loved that show. I was sad to see it go. Um, we could use a show like that now on on Sundays instead of some of the nonsense we have to endure before the game starts. Um here's here's you, Irv Cross. Pour one out for Pour one out for Irv. He was the best. Milk. Well and if you guys Google him. If you guys can see my uh <laughs> virtual background to our listeners, it is a picture of my beloved golden retriever Franklin who passed a couple of weeks ago and crossed the Rainbow Bridge 
And I just wanted to pour one out to him. You know, he was named by my wife and I after Franklin Street, where uh, Tar Heels go and celebrate national championships. And, um, you know, a, a, the best friend a guy could ever have. Uh, my wife got him a jersey uh, that he would wear for the Carolina basketball games. And I'm going to miss my buddy watching games with him and enjoying Carolina wins. And hopefully uh, he has found some good friends uh, across the Rainbow Bridge. And I'm pour one out to our beloved Golden Franklin. Love you, Franklin. Mr. Franklin. Franklin. Woo! See you guys next week. All right, guys. So next week, next week, can we we discuss the fact that Pope is wearing an Alabama vest while he says all of this? (laughs) (laughs) We'll have to have an episode. I wasn't going to say anything, Rooster. We'll have to have a special episode explaining Pope's loyalties. That's (laughs) probably take an entire pod. I think that's at least a segment. That's at least a segment. All right. Good week, guys. All right, guys. Take it easy. See you. Love you guys. Take care, guys.